Welcome to Lit from the Basement. This is Danielle. This is Max. I'm an author and professor. I'm a former wage slave and current stay-at-home dad. We're a married couple who discuss literature in our basement while our children are sleeping. And the boys are now asleep. So let's talk. Mm-hmm. So this week is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite holidays, actually. I, I think it's possibly the most American of holidays in that it's just about consumption to the point of pain <laughs> and consumption again. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. A celebration of uh, faux kindness. Wow, you're really down on this holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I rather like it. I think I think that if you take it sincerely as a sincere gesture to give thanks and or gratitude uh, to the people around you um, and come together for a feast, um, I think it's quite beautiful, actually, to have a, a holiday that's centered around gratitude and nourishment. On the microcosm, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I mean, the actual representation of that in in many people's lives is that they are cranky and around people up. who they actually don't like but by blood there's some <laughs> they're psychic legality that they be must there. be yeah which and is, then there's football which don't care for either but no and i'm a big fan i am a big fan of the consumption mm-hmm. it also means i get to listen to joe frank again i know you love that joe frank episode <laughs> which is probably <laughs> coloring your idea of thanksgiving quite a bit which I'm going to actually put up on the website in the, in the show notes for this. Yeah, we'll link it. Yeah, it's it's a joke. For those who don't know, Joe Franca, who we lost this year, um, and actually is a huge loss of the arts, is a, or was a surrealist and humorous radio personality. Anyhow, go over to the show notes and check it out. But I rather like Thanksgiving, and partly this has to do with friend Thanksgiving. Friend Thanksgiving. Yes, I remember that. I remember doing that in the. Um, <laughs> yeah, I there mean, was the surrogate. The friend Thanksgiving was fantastic. Yes, and or they were just living too far away, and the cost of a flight back home was just impossible. Mm. I mean, you know, I I left uh, Portland when I was eighteen, and I didn't come back for another eighteen years. So there's many, you know, a couple of decades of not spending Thanksgiving with my family. Mm. The first time that happened, I was really super sad. Um, and that I got invited to friend Thanksgiving, <laughs> I got invited to somebody's house in which there were no relatives and it was just a bunch of people scrambling around to try to make some stuff. And who were so happy to be with each other. And very happy to be with each other, right? You know, like there, we had all chosen to be together at that moment and that was the big beauty of that. And we went around and we said what we were grateful for and, um, you know, we ate our uh, cheap but lovingly made food. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was great. Yeah, my my first Thanksgiving, separate from my family, was just me, and I was watching a roommate's dog, and I called my family and had them talk me through. There was like a, a conference call, so uh-huh. I would they would talk me through making because I'd never done Thanksgiving before. Oh, they talked you through making the meal. Yeah, call back in four hours. I'm like, okay, so you know, I'd wake <laughs> up in the morning do the chicken. But was ridiculous is the night or uh, the day before uh-huh. I had gone to the grocery store and I was st- just buying a couple of items and I bumped into a couple of the grad students. Uh-huh. There were a couple and they invited me They're like, well, you know what? We're we're trapped in, in Virginia too. Do you want to come over for Thanksgiving? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm actually not doing anything for Thanksgiving. I'm standing, holding my, sh- I'm pushing a shopping cart. Uh-huh. Obviously, there's a turkey, there's potatoes, <laughs> there's things in front of me, and slowly, both their eyes, they're like nodding their head like, uh-huh. mm, like they're listening to me, but simultaneously, this couple, their eyes fell in unison down to 
my cart <laughs> saying, basically, I should just had a neon sign saying, this guy's a liar. Yeah. Just laying on top. <laughs> Because I kind of wanted to try Thanksgiving by myself. I, I wanted to see. give it a shot. I see. So. <laughs> That's quite funny. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I feel like the poems that we've been doing lately, if it has to do with a romantic relationship at all, it's it's been like a super bummer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you got for us for Thanksgiving? <laughs> what I have is I have a love poem that's not a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a love poem about abundance and gratitude uh-huh. I'm and waiting. feasting. Uh-huh. No, it's wonderful. There's no catch to this. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like a, it's, it's, uh, and I, I think it's something that, that you'll like. Um, so it's a poem by Natalie Diaz um, from her book, When My Brother Was an Aztec. There, the book itself has all kinds of amazing poems in it. Um, a lot of discussion about Native American identity, in very specific forms. Oh, like so that are... ties to Thanksgiving if we're looking for a theme or reaching for one? <laughs> yeah, to a certain extent, you know, uh, that sort of uh, elementary school uh, idea of, you know, you, you make the turkeys and you make the pilgrim hats and you sit around and, you, you know, you pretend to have that, that first uh, dinner together, mm-hmm. um, which um, is pretty far away from the actual thing. Of course, as those things always are. I mean, elementary school is generally that way too. But the strange thing is, like, I, I was never taught the text from which that idea, the idea of Thanksgiving, was rooted until I was doing my doctoral work. Until you're, I well, I okay. Did I, you did you encounter it earlier? Oh God, no, 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 no. Um, I didn't encounter it until I encountered you. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I did not know that that had not been the case until your doctoral work. Yeah. It was recent. But all I knew of the, you're talking about the Plymouth book. Yeah. Right? I, I just yeah, remember uh, that you were telling me like, yeah, you know what those Puritans? They were, not so pure. Yeah, they were fucking donkeys. That was <laughs> yeah. literally a problem. No, it was a problem. It? It yes, was... it was a problem that he wrote about in the text. Like, you know, the wickedness breaks forth. You know, he mentions fornication, <laughs> uncleanliness, drunkenness, sodomy, bestiality. Well, and okay. Yeah. And, you know, all kinds Our of... Our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, um, the settling of the new world was already fully underway when the by the time the pilgrims got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, were, I mean, there, there were was other... already an established, like the Virginia colony was already established mm-hmm. with a certain government. You had to like apply uh, to go there. I mean, not only that, but um, so one of the one of the things that I was really surprised about, I mean, so much ignorance, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in reading of Plymouth, we're talking about William Bradford's of Plymouth Plantation. Now, is that the guy who, who that was the man who was he at was Plymouth gov- writing it? He was the governor. Oh, OK. Of Plymouth. <laughs> who was um, complaining about the bestiality. Yes. And he's he's like he's this very earnest figure, and he's sort of like the head of of the pilgrims. Uh-huh. Um, and that by that time they'd already been around quite a bit. Like they were were kind of left and kind of kicked out of England and went to Holland and were living in Holland for twelve years. And then they're like, well, it's not good for us here either. So let's try to like let's go to the quote unquote new world. Um, and uh, yeah, the first time they tried to leave in a ship. The ship was like sinking and full, getting full of water on the, in the first shot. Mr. Weston, I think that was the name of the person who mm-hmm. sold them the faulty. They had like two ships and then they, one of them was like sank. On before, the way over. Before they could get out of the. And, of the harbor. Yeah. And then they, and then they, they took the other one. Like they were just uh, being like rolled over 
by who they're like sure we'll take your money <laughs> here's a quote-unquote ship <laughs> um but but so they arrive in uh in what, what they now call plymouth which of course was not called there <laughs> called that then but um and uh there's a, a neighboring native american tribe there and uh one of the men of the tribe like waltzed on over mm-hmm. and you know was like hi what's up <laughs> basically because he spoke english oh yeah <laughs> right like um okay i like this I, like i'm reading the thing and i'm like uh, all right this is that's not what i expected right um but, but i'm like oh yeah clearly the europeans were immigrants to mm-hmm. that continent um but also that there were there had been european immigrants to that continent for a long time mm-hmm. um and actually squat Wait, when the, you're, sa- you're saying that continent north america okay, okay. yeah <laughs> you can say this continent oh we're, yeah this we're, continent we're... sorry in my head i somehow still had them in holland in, in like the the google maps picture in my head you know like it hadn't updated <laughs> <laughs> i was swiping and swiping but my mind would not follow <laughs> that new satellite photo happening yeah. <laughs> exactly the man who served as their sort of ambassador and translator uh, between learned English when he was captured from America mm-hmm. as a slave, taken on a slave ship over to England, and then escaped in England and, and found and it, swam back and, and got on a ship back to his tribe in America, um, which is amazing. But that's how he learned English was like living you next think to he, England. You would English think he'd people. see pale people and say, oh man, stay away. Stay away from them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, for some reason he didn't. Okay. Uh, and, and, and he came over to, to talk to them. And of course, that that is the reason why they survived that winter mm. is because of the Native American tribe. Because, um, you know, they, well, I mean, they, they were starving. The pilgrims were mm-hmm. starving. They were just terribly ill-equipped for all of it. Well, God was going to provide. Right. Um, so, you know, half of them died over uh-huh. that winter. Half. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they came through the next time, they had they were guided by the Native Americans there to um, learn how to grow corn, mm-hmm. which is really helpful, um, and, and all kinds of other things. So they were teaching them how to grow um, plants that were native to America. And don't eat the leafy green part of the potato. That's poisonous. Right. (laughs) Yeah. All kinds of, yes, all kinds of useful knowledge that that, um, helped them to uh, grow an abundance of crops. And at the end of that fall, you know, the people who had survived that winter really owed a lot to their neighbors. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the actual celebration isn't talked about directly in um, William Bradford's of Hmm. Plymouth Plantation. Um, It's a note that he makes about, um, you know, how they were quite well fed after that um and it's actually in a letter um from somebody there uh, named uh edward winslow that was arrived mm. to england on december 11th 1621 and it's really describing the first thanksgiving um that's and, actually quite quick december 11th um after oh no-, no no sorry 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 it was written on on december oh, 11th i'm like man what kind of shit okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it, yeah, you're right. That would have been astonishing speed for wow. 1621. <laughs> bird? Okay, go, yeah, okay. exactly. So they just put it on the jet, and the jet flew it over. <laughs> yeah. They were very advanced. It, uh, he, he, it was written then. Okay, good. yeah, it I was. Dig. It was addressed then. Okay. So, um, and he said, uh, "Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on a fowling, 
that so we might, after a more special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indian coming among us, and amongst the rest uh, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. So that it was a three-day feast. Okay. Right? And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. So it was a big feast with their neighbors um, that lasted for three days, and they ate turkey and venison, and they exercised their arms. Arms. <laughs> which the first time I read, I imagined like a bunch of like pilgrim dudes like rolled up their sleeves. Getting like swole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like like really pumping some iron <laughs> out there, you know, maybe with like some cigarettes coming out of their because, you know, they had discovered tobacco. Tobacco, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, just like, mm, like yeah. grunting and yeah. just and just doing being douchebag. Yeah, I'm, see- I'm seeing Kavanaugh's <laughs> high school friends, Squee and Tobin. Everybody's just... <laughs> But uh, I think what they actually mean is that they were shooting their rifles or shooting their muskets or whatever they had back then. So, that yeah, that's the actual origin of Thanksgiving is, mm. is what they think. Um, the actual date that, that it occurred is unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in November. Yeah, some, a comfortable time after the harvest. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a harvest of grat- gratitude mm-hmm. and, a, and a harvest of and a, and a feast of neighborly love. But of course, our myth of this, as it's told to school children, mm-hmm. is um, much watered down. And of course, it glosses over, you know, the centuries of genocide <laughs> that followed yeah. that, you know, that preceded and then followed yeah. Thanks that for moment. the foothold yeah, on the it, continent. Exactly. You know, so in thinking about understanding the origin of myth and thinking mm-hmm. about the ways that myth is twisted uh-huh. right because it, of course in that myth like and then we were all friends <laughs> you know and or like look we're the good guys like i, I mean i don't i don't know like where you how you go from there to being smallpox blankets and exactly yeah um but um i was trying to think of a poet um who is good at twisting myth around uh-huh um, and I immediately thought of Diaz's book. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I probably made some associative leaps there. Okay. Um, but, um, I was thinking of her book and there are so many poems in here that I could read that are just really wonderful. Um, but one of the things that she tends to do and one of the things that pe- that has been made much of her work is her work uh, with myth. There's this wonderful article on the Poetry Society of America site that is a little introduction to her work. And the writer of her work says, Diaz both embraces and subverts mythology in whatever form it shows up. Indigenous, Western, counterculture, it doesn't matter. In her work, myth is simultaneously reified and undercut because it has to be. Myth is only myth insofar as it approximates the human condition. Joseph Campbell once said, all myths address transformation of consciousness. And we find these transformations everywhere in Diaz's work. For the radio listeners who are just tuning in, you're listening to Lit from the Basement with Danielle and Max. The poem we're discussing today is I Watch Her Eat the Apple by Natalie Diaz. If you'd like to read along with the work, you can find it on our website, litfromthebasement.com. 
go to the show notes tab and find show number 16. And one of my favorite poems in here, now th the reason I chose this one is because I wanted to choose a celebratory poem. Okay. A poem that had a lot of abundance oh, okay. to it. Uh, abundance, and I wanted there to be food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually Diaz writes a lot about food in her, in her um, work. And I love the deep specificity of the imagery that she uses um, throughout um, the book. But I was really drawn to this one, partly because it's a love poem. Okay. And I love love poems, but also partly because of its beautiful abundance. You ready? Looks like you're about ready to read that. Yeah. And just before that, if you want to read along with the poem, just go to our website, litfromthebasement.com. Click on the show notes tab along the top and look for show number 16. So while I read this, I want you to pay attention to the way the poem vacillates back and forth between sort of straightforward, concrete imagery, so things of the world, mm -hmm. right, of the contemporary moment, and uh, metaphor mm -hmm. in its various forms. So combining uh, an image with something else or, or illusion, uh, so a reference to any kind of other text. I watch her eat the apple by Natalie Diaz. She twirls it in her left hand, a small red merry-go-round. According to the white oval sticker, she holds apple 4,016. I've read in some book or other of 4,015 fruits she held before this one, each equally dizzied by the heat in the tips of her fingers. She twists the stem pulls it like the pin of a grenade, and I just know somewhere someone is sitting alone on a porch, bruised, opened up to their wet white ribs, riddled by her teeth. Lucky. With her right hand, she lifts the sticker from the skin. Now the apple is more naked than any apple has been since two bodies first touched the leaves of ache in the garden. Maybe her apple is Macintosh, maybe red delicious. I only know it is the color of something I dreamed, something I gave to her after being away for 10,000 nights. The apple pulses like a red bird in her hand. She is setting the red bird free, but the red bird will not go. So she pulls it to her face as if to tell it a secret. She bites, cleaving away a red wing. The red bird sings. Yes, she bites the apple and there is music, a branch breaking a ship undone by the shore, a knife making love to a wound, the sweet scrape of a match lighting the lamp of her mouth. This blue world has never needed a woman to eat an apple so badly, to destroy an apple, to make the apple bone. And she does it. I watch her eat the apple, carve it to the core, and set it wobbling 
on the table. A broken bell I beg to wrap my red skin around until there is no apple. There is only this woman who is a city of apples. There is only me licking the juice from the streets of her palm. If there is a god of fruit or things devoured, and this is all it takes to be beautiful, then God, please let her eat another apple tomorrow. Anything with a love story needs destruction in it. I know. <laughs> okay, but I, I first got to, I just got to jump right on it because uh-huh. I know this. Uh, she holds apple number 4016. Uh-huh. Let me just tell you that right now that uh, that uh, that number, uh-huh. I do know this because I worked in a grocery store and I shop every week for our boys. Uh-huh. That is a PLU code uh-huh. for produce, uh, produce lookup. Now, I don't know what, what 4016 is. But I can tell you that 4103 is Braeburn Apples. Oh, really? Yeah, because that's what I get our boys all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. So I I will look it up after this Uh um, on the show notes and I will I will put whatever 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 Apple number 4016 is. I'll put it in the show notes with a picture. But uh, (laughs) for those at home, 4103 is Braeburn. That's, That's our that's our boys's favorite apple. Oh, I see. Uh, but holy crap. <laughs> I know. Isn't it so good? I super love this poem. I mean, the, the, there are so, I mean, the, the book overall has a, uh, is tragic. I mean, most, most of the book is just, uh-huh. uh, I mean, it's, it's about her brother's addiction and how it tore apart her parents. I mean, it's really harrowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about life on the reservation. It's about being hungry. It's about being ostracized um in uh in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. really um but this poem but w- once you get to this and it's the third section of the book and there are all these beautiful love poems in it mm-hmm. uh in in the third section and this is the this is the poem that starts off that section and uh and this one is i mean oh she's got a poem called Lorca's red dresses you know i gotta love that <laughs> um yeah, but I, but I just I don't know. Like I I mean, there's so many gorgeous poems in this that that I could talk about, but I really wanted something that was celebratory, and this one is just <laughs> so good. <laughs> I I I'm just um, <laughs> I'm still kind of gasping off this one. Yeah. Well, you went okay, and she's talking about her mother. What? Is she not? No. Why did I get that? Why would you think why that? Why did I somehow think it was this? I'm like, this is why I talk to your mom about this way. You know what? I have no fucking idea where that came from. Why I told did I you think it was mom? a love poem. Right, but you can write a love poem about your family. Oh, I, that's funny. This wh- is clearly a sexy poem. That's why I was like, this <laughs> is crazy. Who writes this about their mom? <laughs> she oh makes the, life, the knife making love to a wound? I'm like, What? <laughs> How did I get her mom? How, How did, did I come to that? Get that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is a lesbian love poem. Oh, <laughs> jeez! I just what weird baggage it's, did I just bring to this poem? I don't know. Maybe you like your mom a lot more than you claim to. 
Yeah, that's weird. Okay, on the second reading, it's going to be much better. You know what? I guess I guess the whole nurturing thing of apples. I, I you know what? I'm not even going to try to defend it. I'm just going to dig myself a deeper hole. But <laughs> no, okay. So let's start with the title. Okay. All right. I watch her eat the apple. Okay. And okay, we, if you have apple, there's yeah. one thing that comes to mind: Eve. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it's her eating the apple. So okay. A, a female figure eating an apple, but but it, specifically, she says, "I watch her eat the apple." Not an apple. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which of course, you know, if she, if I watch her eat an apple, it could be more. But the very fact that she says the apple, mm. um, she's drawing your attention, I think, even more uh, to that myth of uh, Eve eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, she knows that her audience is going to think that mm-hmm. immediately. What well, she, <laughs> most every other audience. <laughs> Except for Max, who thinks of his mom. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm glad my mom doesn't listen to the show. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, you know, the very, very first line, I think, sets you up for the anticipation of what's going to happen in this poem, right? She twirls it in her... So it says, I watch her eat the apple. She twirls it in her left hand. And then comma and a line break. A small red merry-go-round so yeah she's kind of like spinning the apple. And just yeah spin spinning catch, the apple. Spin yeah catch. spin catch um and and of course you know merry-go-round is childhood mm-hmm. um there's a sense of dizziness right happening there and and already the the apple is transforming via metaphor um but already there's a kind of sense that the female or that the the woman figure in this is a kind of magician. Mm-hmm. And as it moves forward oh. through this, she really feels like a goddess to me. Mm-hmm. She's, she's lover goddess happening here. And, and by the end, the speaker is literally worshiping her, right? Mm-hmm. She's licking her palms at the end of this. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I didn't think of anybody's mother. Like, I read this and I was like, mm, sexy, Paul. Right. It wasn't until she got to the, the line about licking the streets. I'm like, well, that's that that's, that's really suggestive for, okay, man. Okay, the second reading <laughs> that you do later, I'm totally going to be on board okay. for the sexy train. But <laughs> for the sexy I got to shake off the momness of this. <laughs> you possibly <laughs> that is not sexy <laughs> she twirls it in her left hand a small red merry-go-round and if you'll notice all of the lines in here um there's no there's no pattern uh necessarily there's um you oh, know, you're right they're all it, different they're it, all different stanzas two the next one's one two three four five six wow yeah so and, and the lines themselves are very uh different in um length Right. And so there's a certain there's a certain wildness. It's not it's not well, wild. spun out of control, but there's um, but there is a certain um, caprice uh, to uh, visually to what it looks like uh, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, OK, well, this isn't going to necessarily be in rhyme and meter or anything like that, that there has to be a kind of looseness mm-hmm. uh, to uh, what is going to be discussed. But, yeah, this there's this this this. A woman figure who quickly becomes sort of goddess, like she's part 
Eve. She's part magician. She's part Kali. Yeah, I was gonna, uh, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. there's some def- yeah. definitely some Shiva yeah, happening in that, this, like the goddess destroyer, yeah. right? Um, but also, of was, transformation, of death. Of I got the mainted vibe on the third yeah. stanza with the <laughs> bruised open to their wet white ribs, riddled by her teeth. That's just yeah, kind of like a frenzy of feeding. Yes, yes. She twists the stem, pulls it like the pin of a grenade. grenade. Yeah. And I just like, she's going to blow it up, right? <laughs> and I just know somewhere, someone is sitting alone on a porch, bruised open up to their wet white ribs, riddled by her teeth. Lucky. Lucky. <laughs> Lucky's on one line. It's just yeah. like a one word on one line. It's a mono stitch on. So you just hear, you could just almost hear the. <laughs> <You're> lucky, <laughs> which I love. Um, with her right hand, she lifts the sticker from the skin, and of course, here she really digs into the Eve mm-hmm. uh, reference. Right now, the apple is more naked than any apple has been since two bodies first touched the leaves. Line break of ache in the garden, the leaves of ache. Uh, which I really like um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, but uh, the way that that myth is often characterized, as you well know, mm-hmm. um, you know, so Eve is this figure of original sin, <laughs> right? I mean, she eats from the garden of uh, the knowledge of good. She eats from the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And, um, and then she gives it to Adam to eat. And then they understand that they're naked and they're ashamed um, there is no shame about the naked here. No. Right? There is no fear of that destruction or there's no sense of, there's no sense of shame. There's no sense of um, ruin at all. Right? There's a little bit, there's, there's, there could be some reading of ruin, but the ruin even is, is enviable mm-hmm. in here. Oh, lucky. Oh, <laughs> She got to destroy you. God, I wish she'd destroy me. me. Yes, exactly. Like it's so it's so ripe with um, desire uh, throughout. Um, so they're they're more the, the apple is now more naked than anything. Right. For the radio listeners who are just tuning in, you're listening to Lit from the Basement with Danielle and Max. The poem we're discussing today is I Watch Her Eat the Apple by Natalie Diaz. If you'd like to read along with the work, you can find it on our website, litfromthebasement.com. Go to the show notes tab and look for show number 16. And then we get back to this sort of what seems like an everyday yeah. reference. Macintosh or Red Delicious. And of course, in this case, I really love Red Delicious. Um, there's red all over this poem. I think Red Delicious is 4108. <laughs> I stay away from them. The prices are comparable to the 4103 Greyburn, but... Um, but So there's that, but also I looked up Macintosh just because I was interested to know like what the, what the origins were, um, and actually it's, a, it's of Scottish origin. Mm-hmm. It's derived from the old Gaelic and has them eating leader or front man. Um, so like who is, who is ever in charge, mm-hmm. right? Like the face of the, of the, of the tribe um, in, in old Gaelic. Also, I mean, the red throughout this entire thing. Red, it's beautiful. Red, it's red. fierce. It's feminine. It's bodily nourishment. It's both food and sex. It's blissful destruction. It's sexual oblivion. Like, red is like, yes. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Sorry. I'm still like very 
very ashamed of my first read of this. I'm like, who writes a poem like this about their mom? That was awesome. Hold on. Okay, let, I'm still trying to. I can't. I can't. I can't line up with you too quickly. <laughs> how do How do I walk you back? I don't past know. This? Okay, it's such uh, a strange from, reading. From now forward. <laughs> I will just go with the reading as you do it now. <laughs> with yes, that is sexy. Previously, I did not think it was. <laughs> um, oh, baggage with the reader. <laughs> but but all of this is sort of leading up to my favorite stanza, and I want to talk about that stanza. Uh, I'm going to guess it's the one that starts with "She bites." Oh yeah, that is out of control. I, it's so freaking good. <laughs> so. Um, you know, sorry, I, I don't mean to skip over the, 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 the stanza between the, the Macintosh and Red Delicious. Yeah, and, no, the, I, and the things I was scribbling, I'm like, she, she's she been away from her family for 30 years? Like, all this other stuff I was scribbling, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, never mind. Yeah. I'm throwing my notes out and ignoring them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, she says, something I gave to her after being away for 10,000 nights. So so she's returned, They've it's lovers that have returned to one another after a long while, mm-hmm. you know? Um. The apple pulses like a red bird in her hand. And this I just love. Because here's the thing. This whole image of Eve eating the apple has been worked over and over and over in literature, mm-hmm. right? It's really hard to take such a well-known myth. and well-trotted. Yes. And well, I mean. And make something new of it, mm-hmm. right? And I love that the apple pulses like a red bird in her hand. Um, because there's the the possibility of flight, mm-hmm. of freedom. But then, of course, she's setting the red bird free. But the red bird will not go. The red bird doesn't want to be freed from her, no. right? So she pulls it to her face as if to tell it a secret. How? Yes. And then it's this amazing stanza, uh. which is my favorite in here. Um, so I, t- I want to talk about her sound work in this stanza. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, and it's stanza seven. It starts with, she bites, cleaving away a red wing. Um, the bird sings. Yes, she bites the apple and there is music. Wow. <laughs> it's so sassy. <laughs> I mean, there's also, okay, so now clearly here she's she's comparing the sound of the lover goddess biting into an apple as the sound of music, mm-hmm. right? A kind of sweet destruction happening as has been happening throughout. But in terms of sound texture, there's also all kinds of linguistic music happening right. in this stanza. When she says she bites the apple and there is music, there's also music all through. So the first internal rhymes are between cleaving, wing, and sing mm. in the first two lines alone, right? Mm-hmm. And those are like pretty solid uh sonic echoes of one another of one another but also notice she starts with she where there's a slight echo between she and cleave that lone e sound mm-hmm. so cleaving itself is also kind of split between the she and the wing um in terms of its of, of its sonic texture and also throughout the stanza you have all of the b sounds bite bird branch breaking and then a switch to sh sound so she she ship shore and the switch to a kind of vacillation between m and l sounds beginning with making love and then moving into match lighting and then lamp of her mouth Ooh, okay. which is kind of a reversal of the l and the m sounds toward the end mm-hmm. um, which adds a little kind of surprise 
in the slight switch between having the L first and the M last. But yeah, there's just, in terms of sound here, um, she's doing really beautiful work mm -hmm. that's also quite subtle, but it's very rich, right? Like if you read this to yourself, A you ship might... undone by the shore is not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> we, if that's what the sound you hear when, when biting into an apple. <laughs> no, I, what I'm saying is that, is that the, the techniques that she's using is fairly subtle. Yeah. She's using a wow. lot of alliteration. Mm -hmm. uh, Throughout, which people don't usually in some some um, assonance um, and some uh, slant rhyme and and some direct rhyme that would be between wing and sings, mm -hmm. right? Um, but um, everything else is all um, sonic echo that's not usually noticed immediately. You just know that it sounds good, good. and you mm -hmm. don't really know why, right? But that's why um, is all of these techniques that she's using in this in this stanza. So she bites, cleaving away a red wing. The red bird sings, yes, she bites the apple, and there is music, a branch breaking a ship, undone by the shore, a knife making love to a wound, the sweet scrape of a match lighting the lamp of her mouth. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, and then. That, that, that is an exclamation face. I that totally is. Doodled you, a shocked you, face you next did. to that you, line. You doodled a shocked face next to. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Again, I was thinking like this going, was about. Oh. A, yeah, but the, I thought it was a mom. I'm like, who writes that about their mom? Okay, it's the last time I bring that up. I'm oh, leaving. Why? It You're totally ruining. I am ruining it because now it's hot. <laughs> Forget the, oh my! I'm just. Yeah, maybe should have prepared you. Yeah, well, no, no, that's not what we we. It's <laughs> not cold, what we normally do. The cold read. Yeah, and this is where the one time that cold read is a failure on my part. <laughs> read a response, okay? So this blue world has never needed a woman. Okay, it's red, the only red, other red. Other one. Yeah, and then pop. Yeah, this blue world has never needed a woman. Line break. <laughs> so at first she's suspended it on that line. This blue world has never needed a woman, which is what the general consensus is about Eve. Right. <laughs> right. We would have been so much better without her. Right. Exactly. It's just a bunch of men. <laughs> exactly. This world has never needed a woman, line break, to eat an apple so badly. <laughs> 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 to destroy an apple, to make the apple bone. And she does it. You know, it's, it, it's this celebratory, um, tone i feel like throughout the yes. celebratory reverent um and it goes on you know i watch her eat the apple carve it to the core and set it wobbling on the table <laughs> it's like the action was so quick and she's done so quickly with it like just uh -huh. done it's like did you see it like spinning, <laughs> yeah, spinning. almost yeah <laughs> um a broken bell i beg to wrap my red skin around until there is no apple there is only this woman who is a city of apples. There is only me licking the juice from the streets of her palm. Like, if that's not worship, <laughs> yeah. like what, then what is? Um, so this is, I mean, she's, she's doing something that's um, quite common in uh, Western literature in that the, the, the beloved is upheld as a kind of divinity right but the thing that's of course quite different here is that it's a woman writing to another woman um and it's also um the woman here is being compared to an eve an eve-like figure um 
whom we are not viewing with shame, mm-hmm. right? Um, that we are viewing with awe yeah. in, instead. Um, and, uh, and then of course the, you know, the, the final lines, um, you know, if there is a God of fruit or things devoured, um, and this is all it takes to be beautiful, then God, please let her. And these, these lines are broken up in here. It starts off with the longest line. If there is a God of fruit or things devoured, a slightly shorter line. And this is all it takes to be beautiful. A very short line. Then God, please line break. Let her line break. Eat another apple line break tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, one of the things I love this is about how she's both reaching toward and utilizing and also at the same time transforming um, that myth. And it seems quite natural to me that a... Um, a Native American woman um, would be utilizing the myth in some other way or, mm-hmm. or reinterpreting it. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, none of those mythos were written for her mm-hmm. or with her in mind. Right. Right. Like it's part of this long tradition that was actually um, imagining um, her as not herself in some way. Right. And and one of the places I sort of draw this idea or understanding from is Richard Slotkin's Regeneration Through Violence, which is a pretty dense text, but it talks a lot about how the Europeans coming over to America, to North America at the time, it's like they were already primed in their minds to distrust whoever they found there, mm-hmm. um, partly because of this uh, idea, this tradition in Western literature to travel West into the world of ghosts or demons. And also the idea that like uh, rational thinking must prevail and order in the way that they understand order mm-hmm. must prevail, that anything outside of that uh, should be crushed. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, so one of the one of the things I, I really like about this particular book, uh, Regeneration Through Violence, is it sort of traces how the myths of the Europeans evolved into their behavior, their policies, like what happened when they came over. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things he writes is it was within this in the genre of colonial Puritan writing that the first American mythology took shape. A mythology in which the hero, the hero, was the captive or victim of devilish American savages, mm. and in which his or her heroic quest was for religious conversion and salvation, like that part of, of them or himself, both, okay, in some ways. But but yeah. So if he he goes on to say, if the first American mythology portrayed the colonists as captive or destroyers of Indians. The subsequent acculturated version of the myth showed him growing closer to the Indian and the wild land. New versions of the hero emerged. Character's whole role was that of mediating between civilization and savagery, quote unquote. Um, but it, you, so you, then you get figures like Daniel Boone or you yeah. get figures like from like Dances with Wolves or this idea of like Natty Bumpkin. Right. Um, but that uh, initially that they were sort of primed to to view that population as negative, mm-hmm. right. that, yeah, as as not human, really. 
um, and that's that's clear well, by the way that they treated them. Yeah. Well, yeah. the 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 um, the very proper Western European whites would like to believe themselves as good Christian souls. Yeah, and very good guests. Now <laughs> they couldn't very well come here and later manifest destiny their ass right across this country. Right. Against people that weren't heathen. Right. I mean, that's the dirt worshippers uh, or something. What? Uh, how they perceive? Yeah. But um, but of course, um, so it makes perfect sense to me that uh, a woman writing, um, who's obviously you know a highly educated, um, writing also of the sort of writing from various myth mm-hmm. mythic traditions, um, would twist some of those Western traditions around on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, would push against it uh you know like any of the angels in this book are not doing anybody any good what do you wait <laughs> in, oh, in, in, in her book yeah okay, in her okay, book okay. when my brother was an aztec like the angels that, that are showing up are like oh no please go away <laughs> like you're not you're not working for us yeah that's not what this is about yeah, you're their gods you're not our gods yeah so and 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 so i think it's exactly right to have um why not appropriate yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to uh, foist this on us. <laughs> well, we'll take, I'll take it for a spin. <laughs> right. This is what I make of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for the radio listeners who are just tuning in, you're listening to Lit from the Basement with Danielle and Max. The poem we're discussing today is I Watch Her Eat the Apple by Natalie Diaz. If you'd like to read along with the work, you can find it on our website, litfromthebasement.com. Go to the show notes tab and find show number 16. I should probably say uh, something about Natalie Diaz uh, herself. I've got this about the author (laughs) page in the back of her book. Natalie Diaz grew up in the Fort Mojave Indian village in Needles, California, on the banks of the Colorado River. She's Mojave. Oh, after playing professional basketball in Europe and Asia for several years. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I should have told you this before. What? Oh, sorry. I've... (laughs) I've been to Needles, California many times. Oh, really? Unpleasant. Ah, yeah. Um, so af- after, uh, I mean, I've never been there. I don't know why I said yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Snoopy's uncle. Mm-hmm. Snoopy, Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Oh, okay. Snoopy's uncle is from Needles, California. But what? Yeah, just a little bit of random trivia. What? How? Why? When was this said? In in in, in, in Charles Schultz wrote it. It was just his 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 cousin Spike or his uncle Spike or my, uh, I forgot was his name. Was it Needles, California? Was it, huh? Yeah. Well, and 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 anytime you go to a liquor store in Needles, they will let you know that as a child. If you walk walk in as a kid, I'm just saying. And I would go to Needles, California in the 70s. Whatever for whatever reason, my dad is there doing stuff. Uh, um. Anyways, but here's my impression of Needles, California. It's 110 degrees. It's too hot to be out of the Colorado River. You go into the the water and the water's 52 degrees you can't be comfortable there's no oh, escape interesting so, like, um yeah I, around the world basketball player yeah after playing professional basketball in europe and asia for several years damn she completed an mfa in poetry and fiction from old dominion university in 2007 um she currently lives in mojave valley well this is this is published in 2012 so i don't know where she mm-hmm. is she currently lives in Mojave Valley, Arizona, and directs a language revitalization program at Fort Mojave, hmm. her home reservation, where she works with the last elder speakers of the Mojave language. Wow. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, she's, she, and she also speaks Spanish. So, multi-talented, <laughs> multilingual, uh, 
um, amazing poet. And also she just won a MacArthur Genius Award. Yeah, well, yeah. She kind of rocks this. Yeah. So yeah, I, I wanted to share with you, because I feel like all the poems we've been sharing lately have been like dark. Because <laughs> I do- This isn't, I mean, I still, this is still- Oh, there's still there's still complexity here. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a st- destruction is still dark. Still appeals to the punk goth in me. And this is, <laughs> um, yeah. Apparently, the Oedipal punk goth in me. This is awesome. <laughs> After the show, I'm gonna pluck my eyes out. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, as I said before, I mean, I I landed on this one because I thought that it was celebratory in a way. Like it was pretty uplifting even with all the destruction mentioned here oh yeah yeah it's because it's because it's desire and love and um and well there's also like i said there's so much abundance and she does get a meal out of it (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is a this is a this is good good thanksgiving Uh, so I chose a poem that was not about family and it was not about Turkey. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot of gratitude happening here, uh, from the speaker to the she, uh, the figure of the beloved. Okay. Now that we've discussed this and we've gone through just a bit in in thinking of this, do you want to hear it one more time? Yeah, I want to hear it with the correct ears this time. Okay. Yeah. If you want to read along with the poem, just go to our website, litfromthebasement.com. Click on the show notes tab along the top and look for show number 16. I Watch Her Eat the Apple by Natalie Diaz. She twirls it in her left hand, a small red merry-go-round. According to the white oval sticker, she holds apple number 4016. I've read in some book or other of 4015 fruits she held before this one, each equally dizzied by the heat in the tips of her fingers. She twists the stem, pulls it like the pin of a grenade, and I just know somewhere someone is sitting alone on a porch, bruised, opened up to their wet white ribs, riddled by her teeth, lucky. With her right hand, she lifts the sticker from the skin. Now the apple is more naked than any apple has been since two bodies first touched the leaves of ache in the garden. Maybe her apple is Macintosh, Maybe red delicious. I only know it is the color of something I dreamed. Something I gave to her after being away for 10,000 nights. The apple pulses like a red bird in her hand. She's setting the red bird free. But the red bird will not go. So she pulls it to her face as if to tell it a secret. She bites, cleaving away a red wing. The red bird sings. Yes, she bites the apple and there is music. A branch breaking, a ship undone by the shore. 
a knife making love to a wound, the sweet scrape of a match lighting the lamp of her mouth. This blue world has never needed a woman to eat an apple so badly to destroy an apple, to make the apple bone. And she does it. I watch her eat the apple, carve it to the core, and set it wobbling on the table. A broken bell I beg to wrap my red skin around until there is no apple. There is only this woman who is a city of apples. There is only me licking the juice from the streets of her palm. If there is a god of fruit or things devoured, and this is all it takes to be beautiful, then God, please let her eat another apple tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know what more dis- discussion to have about that, but I would like to um, just point out that we actually have had a letter written to us with some questions. Oh, okay. Or an email written yeah. to us by some questions. Oh, great. Uh, this comes to us from Liz from Portland. Uh, I've truncated what she's written. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to the podcast when I need to be transported to anywhere but here. Uh-huh. Thank you, Thank Liz. You. <laughs> we We do this podcast to be transported. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so she has questions okay. here. Do you intend on having your show release on specific on a specific schedule? If so, there might be something to note your listeners will remember. Oh, Friday, Vita Readings Day. I love to listen on Metro Rides to and from work. Um, well, we actually do have release. a schedule. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, at twelve oh one a.m. Monday morning Pacific Standard Time is when our shows release. Now, occasionally, and I know specifically because I got a notice from Apple or, or iTunes that uh, over the next three weeks, there's going to be a delay of up to five to seven days. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, it's just something that happens with iTunes. I guess there's a flood of activity. I don't under Maybe everybody's hiding from their parents and there's a bandwidth download. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we do, our, our shows do post at 12.01 a.m. Monday morning, um, and I'm going to be working with Spitzer Technology hmm. this week, actually, to think about a system to notify our listeners. Uh, Uh, Just as a reminder, because Danielle thought that would be a good idea, and I agree with her. And apparently, it's what you've requested, the listeners, Uh, so we will respond. Great. And the last one is, what is the verdict on thirst? It's November now. Dying to know the answer. Hashtag, I stand with Max. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The the episode in which we uh, very much disagreed on uh, who the the you was. That was way back. That was episode two. Two. Yeah, Yeah. that was episode two. Yeah, I did write uh, Tracy K. Smith. I have not received an answer. I I suspect she's a busy woman. Yeah, she's the poet laureate of the United States. I'm sure she gets a gazillion emails. uh, And, I, you know, I emailed to her at her her address at Princeton and and I got an automatic response and you know one of the automatic was was like a lot of people (laughs) no it wasn't that it was very nice it was like if you're talking about contacts or speaking engagements call this person you know uh and if you're if you're just if you're if you're talking about like actual Princeton stuff maybe she didn't say that of course Mm -hmm. for a job write this person and of course I'm neither uh and and otherwise you know um basically just sit tight (laughs) I'm I'm wading through all of those emails 
Maybe when our listenership hits thousands instead of hundreds, yeah, instead of a couple hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, thank you, Liz. Okay, so. So to remind you, we have links on our homepage for you to subscribe to our show on iTunes and Spotify. You can also subscribe through the Google Play Store. Our show notes have their own tab on our website. There you can find a copy of the work we discussed, a link to purchase the work, author information, or anything else we thought might be relevant, like, you know, the Joe Frank poem. <laughs> if you have a comment, suggestion, correction, or what have you, shoot us a message by sh using our contact page. If you want to hear Danielle read some of her work, click on the Vanity Press tab on our website. We hope you all have a good holiday this week. Yep. Happy Thanksgiving. Indulge uh, to the point of pain. Eat, eat so much food. Definitely eat an apple. Yeah, eat an apple <laughs> with this in mind. With this in mind. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. I think what they actually mean is that they were shooting their rifles or shooting their muskets or whatever they had back then. Okay. Right? Yeah, I'm still, I'm, uh, no, I don't, I well, I mean, later on, all the complaints that, uh, what, Bradford is this man's name, who wrote the- William uh, Bradford, yeah. Yeah, may, maybe flexing of arms, I mean, it's a euphemism for- No, exercised our arms. Yeah, they might have been masturbating. <laughs> I don't think that was the case. I don't think that would have been as celebratory. Is it resisting the raid? <laughs> I, I think that's resisting the, 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 your, your reading is re resisting the text.